Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. John 3.16, up close, as close as we can. Let's pray. Lord, this passage here has seen many a glance. So much discussion, preaching, discerning, studying, praying over because of its wealth, because of its message. And Lord, I pray that if there there be any callousness, if there be anything that blocks its beauty, I pray that it will be taken away, it will be shattered. Lord, may we see it again in all its glory. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. I apologize, but I'm starting to sound like an old guy. You know, you take little, you say things, there's stuff that you, you talk about. I was talking to somebody about this that, remember when we used to look at old people and we would kind of chuckle at them behind their backs. Boy, you know, I... I I would never do that. I'd never act like that. It's never this, never that. And now I are one. But I'm telling you, there are some things that I absolutely love about being post-70. I just do. I, I, I do. Now, post-80, that's going to be that, you know, Lord, even so come Lord Jesus. But one of the things I find is... Yes, I, I'm reading my Bible through, true, and I'm still, you know, there. But there are places that I go, and I just meditate on it. A phrase, a verse, two verses maybe, but sometimes just a phrase. I'm telling you, I am still taking Psalm 63.1. O God, thou art my God. And I'm gazing. I spent three days on it this last week. It was such a blessing. I I think I'm going to get a sign made up of it and put it in my office. I just, I love that. The implications that the God of the universe and all his almightiness, his his power and all his majesty runs an entire universe, but he is is powerful enough, he is omnipotent and omniscient enough that he can still be my God. Not just my friend, my God. And he can do the same for you. I just love that. It's the same thing with this verse. You know, you you come to something like this, and we've talked a lot about it in the last year. I've preached a couple of times here, but I never want it to get old. 
Um, I, I looked up, and, and you know, you, you get to going to several, several different uh, preachers, commentators, those that are, are taking the time to make comment about the, 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 the common going to John 3.16, and yet, you know, its uniqueness. And the general consensus is this, the bemoaning that, you know, we, we, lose, we, we lose the depth of it. Sometimes it's kind of a ho-hum thing because we're on our way to something else. I was reading an individual who tried to make themselves out to look like a theologian, and they made themselves out to be nothing more than a fool, when they said, no, no, we're, we're, we're not supposed to put the emphasis on verse 16. We're supposed to go to verse 17, because don't you see, Jesus is saving everybody, whether they know it or not. Verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Well, true, anybody who calls on him shall be saved. But there are many that do not. And that's why he says what he says in verse 16. So there are people that try to go to it and find something that, well, nobody else has found. I, I can't remember, there was somebody that I read and I thought, you know, that, that's an interesting way to just kind of mull this over. They said, suppose, suppose we could only see the stars in the sky once a year. And I got to thinking about this, make it once every 10 years. Have you ever been in the desert and seen on, on, a, on a moonless night seeing the stars. I mean, it is fantastic. It, it's, it's amazing. Can you imagine if we could only see that once every 10 years? I mean, they would shut the city lights down. Um, people would go to the desert, get away from lights just to be able to see this. It's magnificent. And can you imagine places where it was cloudy that day or the moon was there and so it blocked out so much of the light of the stars. Once every 10 years, it definitely would not be common. Just think of it. You know, I, I still love, I still love the illustration from this morning that I close the message with. Can you imagine a, a guy that he's, he's an expert in gems and he comes across a rock, but the size of a potato and it's got these colors. And because of, because of his education and what he has so gone after, he looks and he realizes, oh my soul. And yet it's being sold for $15 and he only pays 10. And yet it's valued at $2.28 million. To see something that other people think or treat as common, just it's there. 
And yet he says, wow, there's great worth. And I can see that going two ways. Number one, the fact that Christ looked at us and what other people think are so unworthy as we'll be kind of meditating on, we'll, we'll be seeing. But also the fact that we look at this and other people think, you know, nothing of it, but God so loved the world. Look at John 3.16. Let me just read it. And, and, and let's, let's just meditate on this a little bit. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, it took the lover of souls, like I said this morning, to look down on mankind and not only love, but realize they were worth suffering for. As we just kind of pick this apart, and I'm not going to take long, but I want to take long enough that maybe we can walk out of here and, 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 and we've just kind of exercised our hearts and our minds and we've walked out of here going, you know what, Lord, truly, thank you. Another one, I've, again, I've, I've read this before. A fellow by the name of Gaylord, he was a general secretary of the Bible Society in Zimbabwe. He tried to give a New Testament to, to a, a guy that was really kind of belligerent. The man insisted, you give me a New Testament, I'm gonna roll up the pages and I'm gonna use those pages to smoke cigarettes. Guy said, okay, I understand that, but at least promise to read the page <laughs> before you roll it. He said, all right, I will. They parted company. 15 years later, the two ran into each other. The man that said he would smoke the pages was now a born-again evangelist. And he told his testimony to the audience with that gentleman there. He said, so-and-so, he did this, and I said, all right, I'll do it, but... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smoke every page that I read. He said, I smoked through Matthew. I smoked through Mark. I rolled them through Luke. He said, but when I got to John 3.16, I couldn't smoke anymore. I had to trust this Christ. That is fascinating. Now, Let's just please do a little bit of observation. Maybe you've done this before, maybe you haven't. But sometimes it's just worth saying, wait a minute, let, let's, let's stop. Here was Christ. Now notice, like in other places, but especially here, Christ is speaking of himself in the third person. He's not saying, I came. He's not even saying, here, I was sent by my heavenly Father. He's saying this, for God so loved. 
you realize how many people that have lived and live right now, their view of God is totally unlike this. He's either distant, careless, or belligerent himself. He's peevish, he's angry, or he's just like them. He's lustful, he's sinful, he's out for his own good. That is not a stretch. You you study the world religions and that's what you find. You find stone, wood, you, you find statues that people give to, they bow down to them. That's their God. Their God can't speak. Their God can't look them into the eye and say, I love you. Folks, stop and think what we have. For for God, he just didn't love. He so loved. The Lord made sure in the Greek, which translates into the English, that there was a magnitude, there, there was There was a depth, a breadth, there was a massive understanding that this just isn't love. This is love. This is getting up close and realizing, oh man. Uh, Some people like airplanes. I like airplanes. I worked on trainers. I worked on fighters. I worked on attack aircraft. Then I came to Travis Air Force Base and there we had what we still call the aluminum overcast, the C5 galaxy. And so you start walking to that thing (laughs) and then you start getting close to that thing and you're looking up. I'm telling you, if you wanna have a little bit of a thrill, go to Travis Air Force Base where the wind gets a little brisk sometimes and go to work going up the tail and opening up the hatch on the T-tail and getting up on the T on the back of the C-5. That thing is huge. It's six stories up when you do that. In other words, you get to there and it's not just an airplane, it's an airplane. Hey, you know something? When you go to my God, he just doesn't love you. He's so loved you. There was a fellow, his name was Alfonso Licori, I believe is how you pronounce that. Wrote a book in 1750. And he said in the book, by the way, the title of the book was The Glories of Mary. And he said, Mary so loved the world, she gave her son. Something wrong with that. My Bible says Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I, I love reading some people, they have, they, they've got a discernment. Some people just come along and they just kind of park on this and they, they give again an observation. I don't know, it didn't give the name but I thought this was interesting. Someone has observed the legislative work of God is summed up in the 10 commandments. 
We've all read them. The redemptive work of God is summed up in 10 key words in John 3:16. God loved world gave son believeth him perish everlasting life there is there is a message and a depth and a power behind each of those words they they emphasize something that is there stop and think about this consider this as you go through the scripture concerning God's love number 1 we have to admit it, it's unknown. Ephesians 3.19, and to, Paul said, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. That might be one reason why we just kind of go tilt when we look at this, because we look at the sea of love, and it's like, of God's love, and it's like, there's more beyond. There's always more beyond. It's not only unknown, it's, it's unbroken. Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And you know that. You've read the passage in verse 35. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. No, nothing, absolutely nothing can break it, including our own sin, as we'll see in a moment. And it's not, all, it's not only unbroken, it's unending. First John 3, excuse me, Jeremiah 31, 3 the Lord hath appeared unto me of old, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Now, we look in the scripture, and there are other things that we can see, but we do know this. There are things about eternity that we might question, but this is one thing that we will never have to question. God will always love us, period. That's it. No more. He'll always, always love us. And by the way, it's also unrivaled. I love the three sixteens that you can find in the Bible. Some of them are so fascinating. First John three sixteen. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he hath laid down his life for us. I so loved you, I gave you a million dollars. Well, great, but I can spend it. <laughs> And it's, you know, it's gone. But God's love is never gone. He laid down his life for us. And you know, because of that, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. He gives us an incredible example. But now stop again, John 3, 16. For God so loved. And here's something that starts really working on us, the world. What kind of world do we live in? It's, it's stunning. It's absolutely filthy. I don't want to watch the news. I do somewhat, do a degree. I'll catch stuff online, you know, and such. But I mean the things that go on. I mean, we were absolutely horrified when we saw the debauchery and the hate 
and the wickedness that took place when those Palestinians breached the, the, the wall and came into that village, several villages in Israel. They were horrible in their, in their murder and their wretchedness and all of that. And now we've got people in America that are defending them. How far have we gone down that hole? When you consider that we've got politicians in this state that are pushing mightily for children to be taken out of the homes of parents that will not let them be transitioned. Well, we've got to trust the science. I trust God. He created science. End of story. Would you and I love the world like that? See, that's, again, that's one of those places where, where, they can, where, where we can come and it's a joy to look at God's love, but it's like, he's loving what? Imagine everything that Paul learned of Christ. And, and, and he saw people year after year after year in his own nation. They, they had the blessing, but they turned their backs on their Messiah. And yet he looked at himself and said, you know what? I'm the one that's the chief of sinners. That's amazing. That's amazing. Years ago, back in the 80s, mid to late 80s, we heard about several Americans that were captured. They were, and others, British. They were uh, reporters, journalists, etc. a couple of other uh, things in Lebanon, and they were put in prison, and there was back and forth, back and forth going on about trying to get them out. One of them, his name was Frank Reed. He was in Lebanon from 1986 to 1990. He was held hostage in a Lebanon cell. I went to a couple of places, and I read his story. It was, it was terrible. According to him, he was for months at a time, for months at a time. He was blindfolded. He lived in complete darkness, complete darkness, or he was chained to a wall and kept in absolute silence. In absolute, for months, darkness, nothing, did, had no idea what was going on. On one occasion, he was moved to another room had a blindfold on, but he could sense that other people were in the room. He said it was, it was wound up being three weeks later that he dared to peek out under his blindfold and realized that he was chained next to Terry Anderson and Tom Sutherland, two other guys that were being treated the same way. He, was, he says, although he was beaten, he was made ill purposely, he was tormented. Reed felt most the lack of anyone caring. He felt like, I mean, for years, he wound up in a situation where he felt like nobody cares. Absolutely 
nobody cares. He was being interviewed by Time Magazine and he said this, nothing I did mattered to anyone. I began to realize how withering it is to exist with not a single expression of caring around me. I learned one overriding fact. Caring is a powerful force. If no one cares, you are truly alone. And you know, there have been people that have been just like that, even in the United States. Isn't it sad that there are people that have felt that and all that time looking up into the stars of the sky, the God of heaven loves so much. He so loved. You know what? We're a minority. We believe that Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again bodily. We believe in the word of God. We are a minority, not only in the world, but we are a minority in our own nation. It means nothing when we look at a dollar bill and it says, in God we trust, because there's so many that don't trust our God. And there are some Christians that struggle with it. But we've got a God that's so loved, but he so loved the world. And because it's God's love, it came into action. What's the next phrase? That he gave. You know, if you give the fleshly part of a man or woman will say, I just made myself a little bit poorer because what I used to possess, I no longer have. The Lord gave it because he loved. Again, I don't understand eternity. I do not. I don't understand time. I mean, you know, time and space, you know, all of that. But when I start meditating on this, I just am reminded, how much did God love us? Well, he gave, and for the rest of eternity, his giving will show in his hands. Think about it. He went to heaven. He came back, he, he's in his glorified body. And he said, look at my hands, feeling my side. We're going to have perfect bodies. He won't. Oh, he'll be perfect. I mean, he's king of kings. But God so loved is going to be written on his hands. He gave. There's another thing in meditating. God didn't give an angel. He gave of himself. The triune God gave. Now just think about that. And he tells us this. It wasn't 
Michael the archangel. I'm sorry, I forget which cult believes that. It, it, it wasn't a man that, you know, was infused by the spirit of God. It was the God man. He gave his only begotten son. The one that was sent forth for this specific purpose. Now that gets you coming close. If you're by yourself and you're meditating and you're at home or you're wherever, it gets you close to tears territory. Because if you can shut everything out and you can just stop and consider this, you look at this phrase, his only begotten son. His only begotten son. That's who he gave. I love my wife. I mean, I love her dearly. I can't imagine giving my wife for somebody else's life. I just can't. You know, I, and y'all know what I mean. But the Almighty God had a purpose. And I tell you, I can't wait to get into heaven and, and see that the, the, the dark glass that Paul talks about, to have that finally shattered. We see it clearly. We see it clearly. And if our loved ones are able to hear us, you know, even though they're in heaven, if I, I can imagine mom, my mom and dad looking at each other and going, boy, if he only knew. Yeah. Well, we'll, one day we will. But still, there are people that they just don't bend. Spent energy in giving the gospel to somebody yesterday. I told my wife, I feel exhausted. It takes so much out of you. And they look at you and they're like, well, and, and the things start going. I said, don't you, no, no stop. Do, do you hear this? Do you hear this? And here's the thing, speaking of the world, he says this, that whosoever, I, uh, I got another thing from, in my email from a, a former president. And he says he wants to meet me and get my picture taken with him in Mar-a-Lago. All I have to do, you know, put it, you know, give 20 bucks, you know, whatever. And, 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 and I'm, I know what they're doing and it's not gonna happen to everybody. But that's the thing. Uh, today, when we were at the uh, restaurant, gave out one of my gospel tracts on our meeting with President Reagan. I'm telling you, if you wanna feel old, you show a picture of President Reagan to a young person and say, do you know who this is? And they go, no. I mean, I've had this. Um, isn't, it this isn't, that, uh, isn't he a senator from Utah? No. I remember I gave one when I was over, I tried to give one to a young person over at the uh, Capitol. And he had already been ingrained with all kinds of leftist theology, theology leftist uh, propaganda in his high school. And he just, he went into a conniption fit when I tried to give him that with President Reagan's picture on the front. 
I not only got an offer to meet my savior in heaven, but he said, I'll do something for you right now that no one else can. And oh, by the way, I'll do it for anybody, for whosoever. I didn't have to give $20 to a campaign. Didn't have to give $100. He says, listen, his only begotten son, that whosoever, and this is what Satan loves to cloud, simply does this, believeth in him. Here is the spot right here, and we know this. If we can just take that one word and just ingrain it, what it means, it, place, it means to place your reliance upon you are putting your trust in somebody because they said they can do something for you if you just trust them to do it. That's what that means. And so he says, all you have to do is trust me. That's all you got to do. Should not perish. By the way, people that don't trust, they perish. They perish. You know, there are people out there that are, that are trying to portray God's judgment as something other than it is. The word perish does not mean annihilation. It means a destiny in hell. The word perish indicates something. The holiness of God and his judgment. Somebody asks, how could God punish sinners in hell? Answer, he's holy but he took the best step, the only step he could do in order to make sure we did not meet that fate. Because the Lord is also love, he is not willing that any should go perish in hell. Men go to hell because they chose to go there. 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering. We thought, <laughs> you ever known a politician, you said, you know, Lord, if they're not going to get saved, saved, strike them dead now. You know, just save us, some, save us some grief. No, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But his long-suffering, oh, by the way, <laughs> to usward, not willing, he's not willing to any should perish, but that all should come to repentance He's looking for that. And that brings us to the last phrase. But have. And that is a certainty. That's the thing that's a joy. It doesn't say, but possibly possess. You've got it. And what you didn't work your way into, you can't work your way out of. Have everlasting life. It's interesting that the gospel begins and ends with life. It doesn't begin with death and end with life. It begins and ends with life. Man was created. He had life. Yes, he died. But the life 
called Christ came. God's son, he came. And now we have life in him. Go to 1 John, if you would, please. 1 John 3, and we're almost done. By the way, Roger, I enjoyed having the, the uh, favorites. I like that. I just, you know, you wish you could see somebody when they're in the middle of this. John, if he's not in his 90s, he's close to it as he's, re, as he's writing this. Now, remember what John went through. There was so much, I mean, he, he was there uh, probably studying for the priesthood, I believe. He was the one that Jesus loved. He was so close to him, was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. Yes, he was a fisherman like so many of the others, but wow, I mean, you know, when you stop and consider what they saw, what they witnessed, what they heard, and now the gospel is going out and churches are being started and people are being helped and the, the word is just exploding all through that area. And he's now writing. This all took place 50, 60 years before. But even with that, with pen in hand and by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes, oh, behold. That's chapter three, verse one. Behold what manner of love, literally what foreign kind of love, a love that is not found on this planet. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. See, we weren't just remade to be a creation. We're now in the family. We are sons of God. He just, he didn't okay it for us to come to heaven and say, okay, but y'all got to hang out over there because boy, it was a mess getting you here. No, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And when I do that, I'm going to receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. You know, I hurt for some of these people that are being talked into coming into the United States, coming in illegally. Yes, illegally. Do I believe in immigration? Yeah, legal immigration, but not illegal. This last year, we had over 3 million people come into this nation. The nation is not what it used to be. Over 3 million people including tens of thousands of Chinese men. That doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound good. There's others, the same thing. Now there are some, and I heard a leftist mayor begging the people in her city, let some of these people come in and live in your house with you. There's going to come a time where they're going to tell people to take some of these people in. I'm convinced of it. 
and there's people that are a lot smarter than I am and in the know about some more things, they, they know it's going to happen. They know it's going to happen. But consider, can you imagine having somebody come in, you don't know them, you know, as far as you're concerned, when you're at work, they're going to steal everything you got and take off. And probably law enforcement, you know, well, that's the way it goes. But praise God, through Christ, we are cleaned up, we're made anew. We are adopted into the family. And he says, I want you living with me. To me, that is amazing. Behold what manner what foreign kind of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. That's a joy, but it also creates this situation. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. We are foreigners in our own, on our own planet, and I'm all for it, because this world is not my home. And I praise God for it. I thought this was good. I can't remember where I came across this. In Australia, there was an aborigine. He told a Bible translating team his feelings about John chapter 3. And he said this, When we hear just any old story, we stay hot as always. But when we hear a story that affects us, it makes us cold. It refreshes us. It's hot down there. But when they hear God so loved the world, it refreshes, makes them feel cold. I love that. God so loved us, folks. I pray that as long as we're breathing air on this planet, we never let that get old. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. We, we, could, we could stay the rest of this evening and just meditate and reiterate over and over. Lord, thank you. I pray that the knowledge of this so great salvation will motivate us to share in a world that does not understand. Some are willfully blind. Lord, thank you for opening our eyes to our need. And thank you for hearing our prayer and receiving us. We do not say that boastfully. We say it with thanks. We rejoice Thank you for giving us the opportunity through your word, giving us the faith and by your Holy Spirit understanding so that we could trust. Lord, thank you that you so love the world. And we pray this in our Savior's name. Amen.